Awesome. Good, good morning. Are you guys ready for the word? Turn to the person next to you say, the word is on the street. The word on the street is, you are loved. <laughs> Actually, I said that wrong. Eh? The word on the street, not the word is on the street. The word on the street is, you are loved. Amen. 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 Now, you know, we take, we take this word love for granted, eh, guys. We don't actually uh, explore it enough. We don't actually go into the mechanics of love, the source of love. We'll do that afterwards once Shomain. Thanks for reminding us. We just wanted to jump into the Word so that uh, we can get it out there this morning. Amen. So as I was saying, um, we've got to understand the weight of what love actually means in our lives. Because it is the only thing that will truly save us in the dark times. Amen? So what we've seen over the last couple of weeks is we've been playing you videos, sorry, we've been playing you videos of all these uh, New World Order guys, and uh, how many of you guys remember this Noah Harari guy we played two weeks ago, and he was saying that you have no value. He said that you've become a hackable animal. Um, there is no purpose for people in the grand scheme of life. He said that everything that we've ever believed about religion uh, um, is a lie. Jesus dying and being raised again is fake news. Yeah. And um, he was basically, he's a prophet. See, the prophet always comes before. And the prophet is the forerunner, yes, and he opens up the way and they, they begin to desensitize. And they begin to um, make us feel like this, what, this untruth is normal. Are you with me? So, so the whole thing is, guys, the whole deception is, like we said last week from the 1800s, is to take God out of the heart of man. Amen? If we can take God out of the heart of man, we can do whatever we want with man. Now, this is the original story. God created you. He created the heavens and the earth. He made you the Erdogan of this place. And he said that nothing will work until the management is set up on this earth. The management is you and I. When God made us, he made us with absolute value. He made us with absolute value. There's no flaw in you. Amen. Are you with me? The problem is, Adam, thy O, Adam, he messed it up and he messed it up bad. Do you know, Adam, the original version... Okay, the original version of this guy, covered in the righteousness of God, walked in the glory of God, completely connected to the Father, walking in absolute sound authority on this planet. The way Adam lived, folks, is he never lived like us. You see, the, the pre-fall Adam, he lived like this. He would experience God into his soul. His soul is mind, will, and emotions. He would experience God first, then he would live that experience through his soul out into the environment. Now, since the fall, we experience the external environment first through our five senses, then we pull it in and we live it out through our mind, will, and emotions. And then when we can't handle it, or we know that we're messing up, or we, 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 we're broken, or we realize our weakness, only then do we run to experience God in the scenario. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's fraught. 
It's all upside down. Are you with me? So Jesus came, the second Adam, and he fixes up this mess. And he says, listen yeah, I'll give you what the first Adam had, all the power, all the authority. When you speak now, the birds will hear the first Adam's voice. Sure. See, when Jesus walked on this planet and he spoke, that's why the dead would rise, that's why the ears would open and the eyes would open, because creation heard the authority of the first Adam. He came to show us what the kingdom is supposed to be like. Came to show us what this whole environment is supposed to be like under man in his perfection under God. Are you with me, folks? The only catch about redemption and not creation is that we have this perfect spirit through Christ's work and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We've made, been made perfect inside but we still relate to God through our soul first. So our soul is our flesh, and the flesh is still a veil set over us. Are you with me? So Jesus says, I can give you the position of the first Adam, but by faith you must walk in the authority of that position. It's by faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not by sight. It's not by feelings. It's not by intellect. It's not by whatever, power, strength, anything. It is by faith that you walk in the authority of Christ. He has fixed this once and for all. Okay? So what's come, what, what these guys are doing is, this is basically what they're doing. They're coming to say that you're worth nothing. Because if you can feel like you're purposeless and worthless, why wouldn't you go plug yourself into a Neuralink and become part of the internet? Why wouldn't you? You are of no value. And you become so socialized to the environment that you get your value from the environment that if I'm not part of the internet of things, plugging myself in as a hybrid, then I won't have value amongst the people. Because everyone's going to go their way. How dare I not be a part of this? So I'll be of less value. This is why you have to understand the power of love. When God created you, he created you in absolute flawlessness in the image of his son. When he looked upon you, he said, you are my beloved you have value, you carry worth, and no one's allowed to take that from you. And they can only take it from you if they can get you to believe what you see, feel, taste, and touch about yourself. And that's why they're saying, you're worth nothing. You need to get plugged in. You need to transhumanize so that you can go to a godlike status. Don't you understand that that's where religion comes from? The same guy who says he's against religion and all religions are, are fake and whatever, he's preaching a religion. He's saying we can become like gods if we plug in. Where did religion come from? Religion comes from Genesis one, uh, chapter 1. God says to them, I've made you in my likeness and image. Do not eat of that tree. If you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Satan comes around and he says, listen, you want to become like God? 
eat of that tree. What, what, is, what is this guy preaching? He's preaching God-like status. He's saying, you're not what you are. I'm telling you what you are. That's all the devil had to do to rob us of our authority. God said, I have made you in the image of myself. I love you. You are valued. I've given you the authority of the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the fish of the sea. Go out, procreate, make more men. Take control. Be the managers. Live in power. Live in authority. And live in love for each other. The devil came and he said, listen, man, you're not worth much. You're limited. You're nothing. Eat of this tree over here, my friend. And you'll become like God. Three verses before, God said, you're all like him. Three verses before, it all began. We, we hope between those three verses was a significant amount of time. <laughs> Not like, like one day or 30 seconds. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, we were in worship and, and it's like, uh, I, I had the same, uh, the same angle when I was, you know, I was looking around and, uh, oh, morning, everyone. You know, I just want to make a comment on the flesh thing, right, where we live by these senses. You know, yesterday we were on the trail, hey? And I'll give you a basic example of this flesh thing, of how dangerous it is. So Delron's walking there. <laughs> yeah, you had the mic. It's my turn now, huh? <laughs> Wait, so Delron's walking and Grant, you were, I think, yeah, you guys were, were following. No, no, you were behind me. Del, you, you were following Delron and them. So we're going. So, you know, on the trail, there's boards, Right? And we follow the yellow trails. When we see a yellow board, we follow the arrow. There, Dalron is just taking in the nature, you know, and he's talking <laughs> and, and he's smacking bugs off him. And, you know, he's feeling the heat, everything. Dalron led the whole group, the whole group, guys, 200 meters in the wrong direction. We, for all we know, they were going off the cliff. <laughs> Praise the Lord, the people not led by their senses. They said, guys, here's the sign. We need to go this way. Where, where's Sheldon? Is Sheldon here? Sheldon came out being Moses. Thus saith the Lord, we must follow the sign, guys. I think Sheldon's not checked because he fell off the cliff. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, but we had a good time yesterday. Man, if you missed yesterday, uh, please catch the next one. We, we're going to be kicking off uh, early next year, so stay in tune. But I just had to get the last word, Ronnie. You know, I always, I love you, boys. You know, yeah, I love you. The spirit of fitness, if you all do want to pray for the spirit of fitness for me, I'll take it. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it, we, during worship, man, it, you know, it was, uh, it was so sweet. We started off and, you know, uh, just connecting with God. And when we started singing about how he loves us, you know, the, God's presence was like so amazing. Like, ah, oh, you know, when you're fully persuaded that God loves you, you experience everything differently, you know. And I just started getting a sense that, you know, there's people in this room that aren't experiencing life from that place. Right? Now, here's the thing. Okay. In this church, you get a lot of information. Okay, when, when, when I have to go back and do the podcast and the, the lectures and, you know, all that stuff, I'm just like, yes, we need to talk less, Lord, seriously. Like, we need, because, I mean, it's literally two, three hours every single week where we are, like, deep diving into some intricate topic, you know, some topic that's not apparent if you just look at it. You know, there, there's literally, you know, like, hectic things, you know. And, uh, and a lot of guys, you know, after church here, on the way home, they're like, whew, man. My head is sore, maybe I'm tired, you know, I just need the food, whatever. But the truth is, is that, you know, the culture that God's built here is that when we come to church on a Sunday, we don't just come here to tick a religious box. You know what I'm saying? We're coming here to discover about the Lord of our hearts. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're here, coming here to discover about the lover of our souls. 
And, and we find ourselves in the middle of this war, all right? Now, listen, I'm not going into spiritual warfare. No, I'm not. But listen, you need to understand that there are, uh, there are two factions at play in the world right now, right? And one of them have decided that, listen, this is how the world's going to go, you know? You know the, the term Great Reset? You know, the, we've, been, we've been watching the videos. Okay, I'm not going to go into it because I know everyone's blood pressure gets a bit hectic when we listen to those guys, including me. And Grant and Diddy, right? But you know, it's so amazing how useless these guys are because they can't even come up with anything original. The last great reset was when Christ was born. Everything started at zero. Click. Thank you. Even the secular calendars of the entire world, all civilizations, all reset. Christ became the marker. You want to talk about anything? Talk about it before him and after him. That was it, you know? And these guys want to counterfeit the same thing in the same way that they want to counterfeit the way you experience life. Are you with me? In the exact same way. Let's go to 1 John. And, and, and we need to explain this because, you know, I was, I was looking around in worship and I was like, yes, Lord, this is amazing. And when I saw faces, you know, when, we, <laughs> when we're in worship and I see faces where all of us are connecting lacquer and then, you know, you get some people like, you know, and no, no, this is not a call to like, to like say, why don't you worship? It's my heart is genuinely, you know, like, like sad because I'm like, God is so real, you know, but in the midst of this like crazy intimate worship session, there's people missing it out, you know, and, uh, and if you are that person, it's cool. This morning's for you. Praise the Lord. Uh, let's go with, where are we? 1 John 4. Hallelujah. I use a yellow highlighter if anyone wanted to know. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> um, where's the thing? Oh, yeah, 1 John 4, verse 7, yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to know I'm going, man. You know what's funny? It's like, you know, you, you want to talk about the love of God. It's like, yeah, what's that love of God scripture? It's like literally from first page to last page. Like, what are you talking about? 1 John 4, verse 7, all right? Scripted near, Amal Fanyala. Okay. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from? God. Now, that's a whole sermon in itself, but anyway. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love, right? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, now, Pastor Didi mentioned this morning in worship that the sacrifice that was given was not out of demand for God. You know? God didn't care that you did this or you did that, whatever. It only became important and he had to govern the people because they were hurting each other. Do you know that if you were the only person on the earth walking with God, you wouldn't need morality? Do you know that? Because the only time that you are walking out of love or not, not in line with love is when you are not treating someone else in line with love. Are you with me? People say, no, God demands morality. Why? For why? Look at the person next to you. Look at them deep in the eyes. Say, it's your fault. <laughs> say, you're the reason we need morality. Say, you are the reason... We need morality. It's because, keep looking at them. 
It's because God needs me to treat you the same way that he treats you. Come on. Amen. Come on, give God a round of applause. You see, the biggest issue, guys, we will always have, and that's why I spoke about that experience this morning, that connection, is because you need tangible evidence to hold to what you just said now. Do you know how difficult it is, right, when you are overwhelmed by your senses and your logic, when that is your only confidence in life? Do you have any idea how difficult it is to believe in someone who is perfect but you can't see him? People say, I have faith in God. Fantastic. Do you still have faith when you wake up on the Monday? Do you still have faith when you have to go to home affairs? Do you still have faith when the freaking EFF is blocking the highway? Did you see that, dude, on Thursday? Guys, I'm mental. I'm just thinking, I, I hope there was not a clip of a bus that just said, right, cheers, red ends, bye, you know? But here's the thing. This is the paradox of the Christian life is that you have been given every piece of evidence that you need, but not a single person is ever going to force it on you. You see, God is such a respecter of the way that he created every single one of us, even though he gave perfect evidence for everything, you still need to operate in the way he created you. You see, the people in the world right now, and the world system and how it's been, don't give a a toot about <laughs> what? <laughs> they don't care about how you operate, who you are, your value, or anything like that. You know why? Because to them, you're a useless eater. You have no purpose. You have no function. You are here to serve them because they are the new gods. Do you know that the Antichrist is going to be a homosexual atheist? It's in Daniel. Daniel tells us that he will renounce the gods of old, and he will not have a desire for any woman. Great. He's a gay homosexual, I mean gay atheist, all right? Gay homosexual. Is that a straight person? Uh, two negatives make a right? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. But, that, but that's what the Bible tells us, you know? <laughs> yeah, LGBT squared. <laughs> Amen. Let's behave in church. Now, now, here's the thing. Do you think it's coincidence that the two biggest movements that we have in the world right now are against Christianity and colorful rainbow things. Do you think it's a coincidence? And you know, the church is so disillusioned. They're like, oh, we're going to love these people. Let's just change the doctrine. Okay, uh, marriage is no longer a man and a woman. It's something else now. Okay, then don't say you're a Christian. Don't say you're a believer. You can believe what you want. Just don't link it to Jesus. Right? And because the church is asleep on this system, and listen, if, you're, if you've been in this church and you're asleep, still, it's not our fault. <laughs> if anything, we have spammed you <laughs> with what is happening in the world since 2017. When was the sign? The sign was in 2017. We are approaching six years, ladies and gents, since the sign. All right? You have no excuse. If, if you've been walking with us, you can't be surprised. I'm sorry. No chance. All right? Just know, if you are surprised, it's your own doing. Disclaimer. Okay? Because we are accountable, we must be mature, you know? So, what principle am I getting at here now, guys? Is that you need to understand, for the guys who saw the crucifixion, okay? Now, now after the crucifixion, because we said, yeah, listen, this is how God loved us, that uh, he, verse 10, 
He loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, okay? Now, you need to remember, at that time, and in probably the first 10 or 20 years after the crucifixion, man, the church was probably the hottest it's ever been. I mean, forget cooking with gas. We were in the lava of things, man. You know, like the church is lava, you know, sort of thing. It was like proper Holy Spirit fire because the, the, the ripple effect in civilization at that point was the first. And you know, the first is always the most concentrated. Have you guys noticed that? It's like you do one thing and when you pass it on or you try something else, then it's there, but it's like 90%. Then the next one's 87, and you know, it sort of goes. And it's amazing that after 2,000 years, man, the church is still hot. Amen? Who is that? Llewellyn. Llewellyn thinks the church is hot. I love it. Right? Beautiful <laughs> yeah, beautiful bride. The church is hot, man. Which part of the church, uh, Llewellyn? <laughs> Obviously, his part. Look at him, man. The man's a snack. Yes, see. Stop blushing so much, bro. So, so here's the thing, guys. Now, you need to understand, when all of it was happening, it was new. I mean, Pentecost happened, right? Pentecost happened. These guys who had no clue. You must go read it in Acts. Peter's up there. He's like, my brothers. Now, he knew. Jesus appeared to him. You know, he was, Jesus made breakfast for him on the beach. You know, obviously, he had to appear to Peter first because Peter needed it. He already said, listen, I don't know this dude three times. Okay, thankfully, Peter wasn't like Judas. He survived the three days till the resurrection, right? Because I believe that Jesus would have appeared to Judas, Judas, Judas first, you know, if Judas wasn't so overwhelmed by his guilt and condemnation, you know. But he appears to Peter, and Peter's like, okay, you here? You're alive? What's going on? Anyway, he talks to them, everything, then he leaves. You know, now they're waiting in the upper room, you know, and they're there. And Peter just knows, listen. Remember, we saw him. We saw him with our physical eyes. He appeared to us, okay? And all they know is we're going to wait on top, on, on top of that room there. And all they know is we had evidence. We saw him. We walked with him the full time. He called us. Me, I was just fishing for shrimp there. He called me, right? I saw him open the eyes of the blind. I saw him raise the dead. I saw him transfigured on the mountain with Moses and Elijah. Peter's busy building this case. Peter's like, I freaking walked on water with no floaties. Okay? He walked on water. He's building this case, and he knows in his heart of hearts, sitting there in top of the room, when Jesus says, I'm going, but wait till another comes. The guys are all around him there. They're sitting quietly, you know? You know, like in Job, when Job was going through his things, and the Bible says, like, he was sitting there, and all his friends were quiet next to him. Like, <laughs> don't know what to say, Job, you know? They were like that in the upper room. They didn't know. They were like, he's just left us here. What happens? Boom. The Holy Spirit appears in this place. They get baptized, right? And what happens immediately? Peter has this freaking fiber, 1,000 gigabit download speed, right? He has this Holy Spirit revelation of the last three and a half years of his life, and he realizes this is the purpose of the Christ, Yes, what does he do? He gets up and he preaches the most fire sermon of his life. I don't know if he preached more after that. But when I read his letters, he didn't sound as convicted as, you know, that, that first one. He preaches this fire thing. 3,000 people are like, what in the heck is going on here? Midday, these men are drunk. Next minute, these guys start feeling the same spirit. 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. Now, why am I... Going into detail about this is because, ladies and gentlemen, your walk with God is not psychology. Your walk with God is not an emotion, a good feeling, you know, it's not a good idea, right? Your walk with God is more real 
than the physical experience you're having right now in that chair. Your walk with God is more real than the physical body you feel. Everyone do this with your hands, right? Pinch yourself. Pinch the person next to you. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> that was pretty real, right? But do you know that walking with the Spirit of God and being a child of God in relationship with Him, being established by His love, is more real than that little pain you felt now? Bash, what are you talking about? Good question. Sorry, guys, you want to jump in here? Did he fire me up with the love of God? You're good. Sorry, man. We'll step in soon. Everyone knows the story of Jesus on the cross. If you're a believer, I hope so. Okay? Now, if you if you've watched The Passion of the Christ, now listen, who hasn't watched The Passion of the Christ? Do yourself a favor, please. Yes, it was a it was an interpretation of the events in the Bible and everything, but when you understand the purpose of the gospel, it's gonna wreck you. It's gonna give you such an appreciation for the cross of Jesus, right? But now I wanna I wanna give you guys an 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 uh, uh, illustration of this reality. Okay. Now, when you follow the sequence of events, Jesus was in the garden, right? So first in the garden, he's there, and he's like, he's angsty now. You know, he's like, this is hectic. And he comes back, he's like, I'm going to go pray. Just stay here, and he goes away. He comes, he comes back, the disciples are sleeping. He's like, why are you guys sleep? What are you doing? You can't even stay awake an hour. Do you not understand what's happening? And they're like, yo, Lord, what? why are you stressing out? I mean, we know if you're okay, we're okay. Now you're stressing out. What's going on? He's like, just stay awake. And then he goes away, and he prays again. And in the garden, what happens? He becomes so overwhelmed with stress, you know, with, with, with trauma that he starts sweating blood. He gets to the point for the first time in his life, he negotiates with God. He says, listen, like, Lord, you know, I've been about your business, all this stuff. But if it can, let it pass me, okay? Let's just put into perspective what he was experiencing in his heart, the reality of what he was experiencing. Because you must remember, he was the son of God, hey? Walking over here, there was nothing in his heart he couldn't do. He freaking raised the dead, guys. I mean, really. He made uh, um, two fish and five loaves feed 15,000 people more than once, right? But in that moment over there, he says, God, please, if it can, listen. And he says, but your will, not mine, right? Cool. Takes a deep breath. He gets up. And then they walk up to him. Here come the, the centurions. They enter the garden. Boom. They got their spears, their shields. They got their chains. And they say, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he's standing there, knowing what's before him, because he knows what he has to go through in the next 12 hours. And he says, I am. If this was a Marvel movie, it would be like, I am. (laughs) All the soldiers fall over. Because of the power of who he was, he said, I am, and they fall over. Do you know Jesus had to wait for them to get up to arrest him? Listen to what I'm saying. He had to wait for them to be like, okay. When they got up, they didn't ask him again, obviously, because they realized they <laughs> fell over. Anyway. Bef- yeah, yeah, when they got up, they're like, okay, this is the guy. Yeah, he's him. You know? Now, here's the thing. They get there. Obviously, they beat him to bits before they chain him up, and they drag him to the Sanhedrin. In there, while he's walking in. All the Pharisees are spitting on him, cursing him. They're pulling out his beard. They're punching him. He's getting beaten from every angle, right? And he goes there and he stands before, what, is it Caiaphas? I think it's Caiaphas. The lead religious idiot that was there at the time. Eh? The high priest. Yeah, Yeah, the high priest, whatever. The head on show. 
And he starts accusing Jesus, accusing Jesus. And Jesus is like, listen, bro, tell me what I've done wrong. Don't tell me you're upset. Tell me what I've done wrong. Anyway, they get upset with him. They beat him again. In the morning, they take him to Pilate. Pilate says, listen, dude, why are you causing problems in my city? What is the problem? And they say, this man, Jesus, kill him. What are you talking about? Why? What has he done? No, he's done nothing. We just don't like him. Kill him. So Pilate's like, okay, Jesus, come talk to me. He has a conversation with Jesus, who has, by the way, just been beaten for the last couple of hours, right? He's got spit all over him. He's bleeding. His beard's been pulled out. He's standing before Pilate, and Pilate says, what's going on? And he has this conversation with him, and Pilate in his heart is convicted because he realizes this is no normal man. But Pilate's under pressure from the Roman government to keep the peace. That's how they worked. So what did he do? He says, right, I will have him flogged and release him back to you. We're not going to kill him because he can't find any fault with him. Now, you go read what happened in that flogging, ladies and gentlemen. First, they started hitting him with the canes, you know, like the, the normal the sticks and whatever. They tied him. They tied his hands to the stock. They stripped him down, and they started hitting him. And every time they hit him, they marked his body, and they tore his flesh. The Roman soldiers were, were so... Uh, 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 overwhelmed with his resilience and his resistance that he didn't cry for mercy not once what did they do they took the next weapon it was a thing called a cat of nine tails and it had pieces of of metal and glass and and all these things on it and they would hook it into his body and rip the flesh off his body you see people think jesus is oh there's stephen fertig oh, oh, oh wow yeah no listen we're talking about jesus don't listen to that clown Okay, we're talking about Jesus. This is the Jesus who went through all of this so that we could have the evidence needed to not be sucked up in what's coming in this world. So they're ripping the flesh off his body to the point where the general walks in and says, what the hell are you guys doing? This man's nearly dead. And they're so high from their ability to just issue punishment. They were like, oh, whoa. They said, listen, put his robe on him, send him back to Pilate. He's got a crown of thorns on him. His face torn apart. You could see his ribs and his organs on his back. Flesh ripped everywhere. Isaiah tells us that he was beaten so badly that you couldn't even recognize who he was. His face was completely marred. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I get a pimple on my nose. I look like Rudolph. <laughs> but here's Jesus having the flesh ripped now, here's the thing. After all of that, he still had to pick up a cross and walk through the entire city, beaten, being spit on, being cursed, being scoffed at. And he gets to the top of the mountain, thinking it's over, not even close. They drop the cross, they place him on it, and they nail him to the cross. Bash, what are you getting at? Guys, if you are struggling for God to be real in your life, God's not the problem. You see, you've not taken the time to put this evidence that I'm giving you this morning, you've not taken the time to put it in your heart. You know, people come and ask, oh, pastors, please. I just need God. To, it's like, what do you need God to do? Did you forget what he went through? So that your own condemnation that separates you from God can be free from your heart? 
Do you realize what it costs to establish the connection that we now have through the Spirit of God with Him? Do you realize? Because we very easily forget. You know why? Because we have submitted our hearts to the system of this world. We think salaries and careers and relationships and vanity and all this nonsense is important. Who has bewitched us? No one's bewitched us. All we did was we refused to put the right evidence in our hearts. They'll tell you you don't have enough money. Okay, I'll go get more. They'll tell you you're an idiot, you're not educated. Okay, I'll go get an education. They'll tell you, oh, your church is not working. You only got five people. Yeah, let me shut it down. Shame. We have zero, zero honor for what Christ has done for us. I want to tell you now, if you're struggling with your, I don't know how, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just going with what's on my heart here this morning. I'm telling you now, if you're struggling to be loved, if you're struggling with your walk with God and all this sort of stuff, you are the one holding yourself back. Go and watch The Passion of the Christ. Because Mel Gibson, even after that movie, he said, listen, when we were reading the transcripts, we couldn't reproduce what happened in, in, in real life. He said it was so gruesome, they did not have the makeup and the angles and all that stuff to reproduce it. And he's on that cross and he says, he made it to the end, it is finished. Now what is my point about that entire thing? I made a mention before this, I said, the reality of your connection with God is more real than your physical body. Let me ask you something. If that connection was not there, how does a man who has his flesh ripped off his physical body still stand and carry a cross through a city to still fulfill everything he needed to do. Maybe it's like, no, it's Jesus. He was special. Uh, the Bible tells us that he had to come in sinful flesh. He had to come. But you know what? He came to show us that it didn't matter that even if this tent, as Paul calls it, even if this thing perishes, I stand with Christ. Are you guys with me? It is the reality of who we are in Jesus and knowing that he's alive inside our hearts that is the only thing that's going to keep us safe in this time, ladies and gents. And no one's going to force that on you. Do you know why? Because God is dealing with you in line with the way he created you. And he's saying, my son, my daughter, stand. Rise up. Take charge of your emotions. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your beliefs. Climatize yourself to who I am. Amen? Amen. Since Grant's not going to say anything, I'll say something. <clears throat> you know, the, what, was that, what is that whole exchange that Bash just showed us? That whole exchange was to reiterate value. That whole exchange on the cross, God coming down, taking off his cloak of deity coming to the cross in his perfection, surrendering himself over to the will of the Father and dying in your place is just merely an exchange of value. Some people don't understand this. You say, you know, I know God loves me. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. I don't care how much you know God loves you. Are you experiencing it in your heart? Even the demons know that God loves you. <laughs> it's true. It's true. 
Everybody knows. Everything knows. Everybody actually looks at creation and they go, wow, somebody who really loves this place created it. You cannot deny him and you cannot deny his love. But what's it doing for you? If you're not taking that great exchange and making it real in your heart to the point where it is bringing you to a place of authority where you can control your life, where you can run your marriage and your home, when you can be a man and a son and a daughter of God in the image of Christ, the one who exchanged everything for you, then what is the purpose of you being here? Are you with me? Because when they come to tell you that you are worth nothing, that you should be plugged into the system, why do you think he's been saying all along through the scriptures, get out of the world, you're not of the world, you're in the world, but you're not of the world, you are of my value. What is the value that the world gives you? The exchange in the world is your life for money. Your gifts, your talent, your life for money. That's as far as you go. You can work for the biggest corporation, make it, let's say, Standard Bank, or a, a big blue chip organization. You can work, work for them for 50 years. The day that you, re, that you retire, they'll say, yes, you gave this, we gave you that, that's the contract, buy, new person, in. They won't even think of you again. You're just a number in a system of people who have no worth. People who just give themselves over to the world, they get raped of all their joy, all their peace, all their worth, all their value. Did you know that the word love means value? It's actually what it means. So how valuable are you? God himself died for you. I don't know. You work it out. Ephesians tells us, right, that unto every single one of us is given grace equal to the measure of the gift Amen. of Christ. Sure. Amen. I mean, if we're trying to simplify this for you, if I give you a hundred bucks and you go to the shop and you give the cash, the, the guy standing at the cashier and you say, listen, give me 50 rands worth of goods for my hundred does that make sense? No, surely you're going to take the 100, you're going to get everything you can for 100 bucks, right? So when God looked at you, he didn't go, oh, you're only worth this, whether. he said, you're worth my son. I'm going to exchange the darling of heaven. I'm going to exchange a part of the Godhead for you. That's how valuable you are. But if you don't take that and work that into your heart and learn to experience the love of God and learn to be loved, that's why you date the wrong people. No. That's why you're working at a job just for money and you're not happy. Sure. You have given your worth over to the system. Because you never took the time to make the love of God real, make the value real in your heart. When you have value, no one can take anything from you. Come on. Come on. When you have value, you will wait on the Lord. Doesn't matter if one job goes past, another job goes past. I have value. I will not work for that. 
I have value. I won't go and work on a contract over there where I have to leave my wife and kids because I'm desperate for a job. No ways. I will wait on the Lord. I know I am loved. I know he'll place me in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing because he loves me. I will not sell myself short. I know who I am. When you can walk like that, you see, I've got to apologize on behalf of the church worldwide because for not everyone, but so many pastors try to devaluate you by telling you how bad you are, how much sin you have, so that you can run out there and prove your value to yourself. And they use the cross not for conviction of righteousness, but they use the cross for condemnation to bring out performance. Yeah. So there has been false teachings out there and a stack load of it. But I'm telling you now, if you can get the value of that exchange on the cross, nothing can touch you. Amen. Nothing. Nothing can touch you. You know, um, <clears throat> just thinking about how this church, this ministry was founded, you know, um, Deeds and Bash had the, the goal of establishing Christ in, in, in the hearts of the believers, you know, that, that was a rarity for me when I first joined 2015, it's like, wow, the first time I'm not getting spoken down to, getting condemnation on me, and the pastors are not elevating themselves, the message is about Jesus, and fundamentally, that's a rarity in, in the church today. I mean, to, to, to preach on identity and to build up, I mean, if you've been in this church for, for years, your identity should be solid, guys. You know, and, 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 and the proof of that is, you know, we weren't even watching for the end times and watching for these guys coming to do all of this stuff. But because we were rooted in that identity of love, it was apparent to us, it was, we were awake and aware, we like, we can see something's not right. So, I know the, the two pastors are stressing the, uh, the, the importance of, of your value and your identity. You know, I'm speaking from someone who's, who's come, I, I loved Revelation, everybody knows I love the end times, you know, the rapture and everything. But when I first joined this ministry, that fell to the wayside because I saw something so precious. And that, that's the love of God be, becoming alive in my heart. And I remember I'd be cycling to, uh, I don't know where Jess has gone, but to Pine Grove every morning. And that's all I would meditate on is his love. Thank you for your love for me, Father. You know, not forsaking, not, not, not losing sight of what Christ did on the cross for us. And people like to push that off as a something, as a small feat. It, it's, that was no small feat, guys. As you heard, Bash, I think that was a, a, a summarized. Uh, <laughs> if you go into the detail, you, you, if, you, if it does not bring you to tears, then, then check your heart pretty much. But the importance of, of your identity and the value that you have in God for, for this time is, is it's, it's paramount. It's paramount. So, so this has been the scam from the beginning. Take the most valued person, the most valued creation on planet Earth. And in order to overthrow God, I have to overthrow his authority on this earth. Did you know that not even God works through this earth unless he works through you? You are the one that's being given authority. So God needs a person to work in this earth, and so does the devil. Yeah. 
So God's given you everything, and he says, go run, my son, run, my daughter, do it, work, live, uh, um, make this life, bring glory to me. And the devil's like, I hate that guy up there. I can't get to him. I've already tried to rebel in heaven once before. I'm going to start another rebellion, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to destroy the ones that he loves most. And how do I destroy them? I go and I take their value from them. First of all, I tell them that they need to be something more than they are, eat of the tree, so that you can be like God. God says you already are like him. He comes and convinces us that we're not, takes our value, and guess what happens? For the first time, man realizes he's, he's not covered by God's, by God's glory anymore, and man falls into, he falls out of his authority in God, and he falls into himself. And now he lives his life from the level of self-worth that he carries. Did you know that your life can only be lived according to the level of your self-worth? People preach this. They say, when Adam and Eve sinned on, by eating the tree, they took the keys of authority and they gave it, that God gave man and they gave it to the devil. No, he, he, they didn't. The Lord has never given the devil any authority except to be your servant. And besides that, man never gave the authority. They were deceived into thinking they're not, they don't have it anymore through sin. Through falling short, man shrunk back into himself. Instead of standing as the creation of God, loved, valued, the Erdogan, the manager of this place, called by God, sent by God, designed by God, commissioned and authorized by God. No, man shrunk back into himself going, I'm weak, I'm a sinner, I'm not worthy, I can't speak with authority anymore, I can't run my house with authority anymore, I must just work on covering myself, cover myself, cover myself, because I'm shameful. That's what Adam did. What was the first thing he did when he realized he was naked? Come, baby, sow us some fig leaves there. We need to cover ourselves. What are the fig leaves? You trying to find righteousness in yourself. So all the devil had to do was lie to you to the point where you had no self-worth. Then he could overthrow you. He could tip you over because you had nothing to stand on. And that's what they're coming to do. The game hasn't changed. The lie hasn't changed. All they're coming to say to you is, listen, you have no purpose. You're worthless and you want nothing. Therefore, let us chip you. Let us hook you up to the mainframe. Let us give you some juice. <laughs> Are you with me? That's all they're doing. Are you going to allow them? Are you just going to go with the flow? Are you just going to flow with the world? Or are you going to stand in who you are in Christ? Are you going to stand in the value that you are in Christ? Get your value right, I promise you now. Your relationships, your workplace, your, you name it, your whole life will just fall into place. Because everything comes from you, your heart. Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are loved. You are loved. In fact, you are the beloved. Of God. Amen? Can we just take some time to work the love into our hearts so that it touches every insecurity, 
It touches every place that we feel lack. It touches every place where we feel that we are unworthy so that we can stand, not arrogantly, but humbly stand in the work that Christ has perfected in you. He says, you are his workmanship. Don't let Haval Nuhari Haramari, what's his name? Those were good. Whatever his name is. Don't let him come and tell you you're worthless. You need to transcend into uh, uh, something greater than what God created you. Can you see? The scam hasn't changed. The problem is, everybody has been running after value in money. Now they're actually going to use your very soul as the currency. And if you think you have no value, you will give your soul over to the system and be monetized. You will become digitized and monetized and eventually you will partake of this thing where it's a social credit system. And if you don't do what they say and how how they say it, you get demonetized. You get devalued by the system. God says, do not conform to the ways of this world, to the patterns of this world. Be he transformed by the washing of the word. What's the washing of the word? The washing of the word is the blood of Christ that he just described that took place 2,000 years ago. The value of exchange. You are valuable. Stand, brother. Stand, because it's getting dark. It's getting dark, but you can stand. And if you stand, I promise you, you know what's going to happen? Just like the enemies of Israel, they will implode on themselves. They're going to fight amongst themselves. Do not fall for their lies. Stay pure, stay set apart, stay valued. But that's not going to happen if you don't come to church, come to discipleship school, get your word out and read it. Listen to the teachings. Build yourself up in the Word of God because this is the only one that's telling you that you are of value. I can't really give you your value. I can tell you about it. But I can't really appraise you. You know why? Because only the Creator can truly appraise you and give you your value. Amen. Yeah, come on. He's the one that made you. That's it. I can take my diamonds to... uh, to the Oak at Spa and say, hey, Butch, how much groceries will you give me for this diamond? He's like, uh, why are you bringing glass? What's this? <laughs> You'll say, yeah, you can get some milk or bread. But meantime, this thing's worth millions. I can take it to uh, uh, a blacksmith. I can take it to uh, a CEO. The only one that can give you your value is your creator. Will you please just allow him to love you? Why must I sit here and beg people to be loved? <laughs> Don't say it like that. <laughs> this is the truth. What could possibly be happening in our hearts? Are you with me? But that's what they're banking on, folks. They're banking on the masses being totally bankrupt of value in their hearts. And there's only one reason. That's because you haven't opened your heart up. You haven't humbled yourself to be loved. That's all Jesus is saying. Let me love you right. Let me love you whole. Let me love the value into you. What else do you want? 
Everything else around you, even the people in this room, will die one day. Sorry to break the news. <laughs> you can hang on to nothing in this place. Will you please just open your heart so that he can love you the way you need to be loved? But that's on you. You know, I'll, I'll close with this. We were married for 10 years, and she, she used to say to me every day, do you love me, babe? Do you love me? Do you love me, babe? Do you love me? Babe, do you love me? Do you know how crazy that used to make me? I used to turn to her and say, I've given you my entire life. We've got children. We've got a home. We've got everything. Why do you ask me every day, do I love you? And I was so frustrated until I prayed about it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, she knows you love her, but she doesn't believe it. Because she got hurt in the previous relationship and she got devalued. Are you with me? Are you going to carry all your bad decisions to Christ and now allow that to Come stop on. you from being loved? Let's go. Come on. Are you going to bring all your sin and all your failures and all your problems? Oh, I've been married five times. God doesn't care. Open your heart, shut up, and get loved. Amen. Yeah. Let's go. I love it. Amen. That's like the gospel in one line. God doesn't care. Open your heart. Shut up. Get loved. Yes, I love it. Yeah. Not get lost. Get loved. <laughs> Amen. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Say, I am of the highest value. I am of the highest As value. Christ is. As Christ is. So am I. So am I. And I'm going to live that way. Amen. Amen. Have a freaking awesome Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen.